There are 33 $100 bills for every man, woman and child in the US. So if mm. you've only got one, somebody <laughs> else has your other 32. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to Bloomberg Benchmark, a show about the inner workings of the global economy. I'm Tori Stowell, an economics reporter for Bloomberg News in D.C., and I'm joined by my co-host, Aki Ito, our Benchmark editor in San Francisco. Hey, Aki. Hey, Tori. How's it going? Pretty good. I am recording today out of our newsroom, so you may hear a little bit of background noise. Oh, well, I'm recording from San Francisco for the first time in, I think, four months. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's Welcome been a back. while, but it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Well, today's show is all about dollar dollar bills, y'all, dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. But the European Central Bank last week said it would stop producing their 500 euro banknotes after 2018, citing concerns that it could facilitate illicit activities. Some criminals actually, Aki, they refer to this note as the Bin Laden, referring to the... Tori, I, I was just about to say that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Isn't that so interesting? I mean, I feel like that says a lot about this issue oh, yeah, totally. right here. And that's the former leader of Al-Qaeda for all of our listeners out there. I don't don't know how you wouldn't know who bin Laden is, but in case you don't, (laughs) yeah. Good context. Uh Well, anyway, that decision has been fairly controversial. And, you know, Germany, since apparently before even the creation of the Eurozone, um, has been a big proponent of high denomination notes. And the head of the country's central bank just recently said that it's still debatable whether the removal of the 500 euro note is going to curtail any crime and that it actually might end up undermining people's trust in cash. And apparently officials in Austria and also Switzerland are against eliminating their own forms of high denomination money, too. So to discuss all of this and more, we have enlisted Peter Sands, whose paper called Making It Harder for the Bad Guys has helped fuel this debate. He's a senior fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School, and before that, he was CEO of Standard Chartered Bank for almost 10 years. Welcome, Peter. Hi. So, Peter, as the head of a bank, I'm sure that you've seen your fair share of high denomination notes, right? Actually, cash doesn't play much role in modern banking. I mean, obviously, you take it out of ATMs and people deposit it in branches, but most of what a bank does doesn't actually involve cash. So in a lot of ways, this was kind of a foreign world to you. Well, certainly the rather murky world of people trying to move money across borders in sort of piles of high-denomination notes was not something I had come across. (laughs) You're not an international criminal. (laughs) Peter, maybe you could walk us through a summary of your research for our listeners, and and then we can dig through some of the details afterwards. My interest in um, high-denomination notes is because they aren't used very much in everyday life. We don't normally take a $500 500 note out of our pocket and try and buy a coffee with it. But if you look at what criminals are doing, drug traffickers, people financing terrorism, people giving or receiving bribes, 
Actually, they're using these nodes very intensively. So the point of my research was to look at whether or not we should still be issuing these or whether we should get rid of them. Not because it would suddenly stop criminal activity, but it would simply, as the title of the paper put it, make the lives of the bad guys a bit harder. Because the great advantage of high denomination nodes is that they are the most anonymous and easy way to transport and store money secretly if you, if you want to do something illegal. Right, and we're, we're talking mm -hmm. about people who are trying to evade taxes, finance terror, corruption, um, financial crimes, those types of bad guys, I guess. Anybody who wants to do something that they don't want anybody in authority to know that they are doing. And the great thing about cash is that cash is anonymous and it leaves no record. And there's no right. other payment mechanism that does that. So for, I guess, some context for our listeners who haven't tried to move <laughs> a large amount of money around anonymously, a million dollars worth of $20 bills apparently is about 110 pounds, which would fit in about four briefcases. So think of that as maybe carrying Tori's entire body weight around. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, quite a lot. A little less. You wouldn't be able to do that. You can't really do it. One, one person would find it pretty hard, and you certainly couldn't do it very discreetly, right? Yeah, but if you tried to do that with $100 bills, that would only be 22 pounds, and it would fit in a single briefcase, so it's a totally new ballgame. Right, and if we look at the 500 euro notes that were just announced that they're going to be phased out, a million dollars, a million U.S. dollars, that is, weighs about five pounds, and that would fit in a you know, a very small bag. So it's a, it's like you said, it's a total game changer. Yeah, and surprise, right. surprise, if you look at what cocaine smugglers are using, uh, their preferred is the 500 euro note. And then after that, they quite like the $100 bill. But give them a choice, they'll use the 500 euro because they can get more money in a smaller package, um, a less easy to sort of find um, package. They can transport it more easily. Peter, I think a lot of our listeners are hearing this and, you know, they're thinking like, gosh, this sounds like a relatively easy and simple thing for governments to do. So, you know, can we get any kind of sense on how much of an impact um, maybe getting rid of the $100 bill would have on cutting crime, on, on how much more taxes the IRS might be able to collect? Well, it's very difficult to get a precise calculation, and a lot depends on how easy it is for the criminals to find substitutes. So mm. if, for example, we get rid of the 500 euro note as, as is proposed is to stop issuing it, but the European Central Bank just ramps up production of the 200 euro note, then the impact will be less than if it forces people to, say, use the 100 euro note. So it depends somewhat on sort of how the um, policy is implemented. But I think we can be pretty confident that there will be a positive impact and it'll be most positive where the stakes are high. So it won't make mm -hmm. much difference if somebody is just trying not to pay tax on a very small amount of money because they're probably not using high denomination notes anyway. But if they're trying to not pay tax by taking, say, cash income um, and not reporting it on tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, then that is more likely to be affected 
by not having um, high denomination notes. And likewise, you know, drug trafficking is probably the crime that involves most cross-border transportation of very large sums of money. It's been estimated that about 20 to 30 billion dollars a year crosses the US-Mexico border in cash. You just have to think about it very simply. If you didn't have a hundred dollar bill and you had to carry either 50s or 20s, you'd have two to five times as many packages, um, things hidden in the floors of cars, you know, secret containers going across. So the cost of doing that for the criminals and their risk of detection would be higher. Um, and what's funny is people are quite reluctant when you first suggest getting rid of these things. People are a bit sort of anxious and, you know, a bit uncertain about it. But nobody's proposing to bring any of the things that have been eliminated back again. Right. Right. Once they're gone, nobody right. wants them back again. Did you know that there's <laughs> some of those notes, $500, $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 bills, they're actually all still legal tender. And they're, some of them are still in circulation. Just if the Fed finds them, they, like, gobble them up and destroy them and <laughs> take them out. But, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, absolutely. They haven't been brought back. That's right. Tori, and, when was and the Tori, when was the last time euro? you used a one hundred dollar bill? Oh gosh, um, you know I think I maybe took out one hundreds when I went to Iceland a year ago. So you were I traveling? To, yeah, I was traveling. That's the only time I ever take out money that big. Well, the interesting Peter, thing what about is you? there are thirty-three-ish, around thirty-three, at least over thirty, um, hundred-dollar bills for every man, woman, and child in the U.S. So if mm. you've only got one, somebody <laughs> else has your other 32. <laughs> Probably outside of the U.S. too, right? A lot of these bills aren't inside the country. That's right. We, we don't really know how much, but it's probably over 50% of them are um, outside the U.S. Indeed, it's been suggested that um, the city in the world, which probably has most of them, um, is probably Moscow. Um, but again, wow. we, we, we don't know that for certain. Well, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we will talk about how emerging markets are dealing with high denomination bills, as well as some of the cons behind taking them out after this break. So, Peter, one of the interesting points that you make in your paper is that a lot of these criminal transactions don't happen inside the U.S., inside U.S. territory, but they're occurring in U.S. dollars. So uh, when uh, government officials in India or, say, Pakistan want to fight drug, tra drug trafficking or corruption, uh, the existence of $100 bills makes it that much harder for them to actually fight that. Um, so I'm wondering, do you know if any emerging market officials have urged the U.S. have urged U.S. government officials to get rid of $100 bills? And has something like this ever been on the G20 agenda? I don't know whether um, uh, there have been specific conversations from emerging market um, government officials um, uh, to the U.S. I know that um, that emerging market sort of crime-fighting officials um, are very aware of the role that, say, the $100 
bill plays, whether it's in drug trafficking or corruption um, or, and so on. And I would be surprised if those conversations um, hadn't been happening. Um, and I'm aware that this discussion around the role of high denomination notes has been discussed in various um, forums in the context of terrorist finance and also in the context of um, corruption. Mm -hmm. So these operators of, you know, global common currencies like the U.S. and Europe, they kind of have this global responsibility too. Yeah, I would argue we do have a, um, uh, a global responsibility. Most emerging markets don't actually issue high denomination notes themselves. Um, mm. But the high denomination notes are in use in their own economies um, in ways that are often quite sort of corrosive to their societies. Right. So this seems kind of like a slam dunk to me. Why, why are some people opposed to this? Well, I'm um, sympathetic to the argument that cash still plays uh, uh, a really important role. It's incredibly convenient. It works when you don't have a electricity or a telephone signal. It works when you want to give you know, a child pocket money. You don't need any infrastructure. And it is private. Um, and there's real value in that. Um, however, that's really useful in the many small transactions we're doing sort of every day. And the reality is we're not using high denomination notes for it. And if you need high denomination notes, um, in that kind of circumstance, the evidence would suggest that you're normally doing something which society probably doesn't want you to do it privately. Right, you're probably being sketchy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you need 500 euro notes to make a payment, um, you're probably buying something or selling something in thousands or tens of thousands of euro. The 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 likelihood is that there should be some tax attached to that. Um, and, you know, it may be a bit of a dubious um, transaction. And I know but, as a kid, I mean, I always personally liked it when I got my money in smaller bills, like for gifts, because it always made me feel like I was getting more, even though obviously I wasn't. <laughs> you know, so, Peter, your your paper came out in February, and Larry Summers, who um, is the former Treasury Secretary, he wrote a very influential op-ed about it, uh, backing your argument. And the ECB just last week came to the dec this uh, decision to stop issuing their 500 euro notes. Do you feel like your argument is gaining traction in the U.S.? Well, it's certainly gaining traction in Europe, as you'll have um, noticed. Um, I think um, the U.S. has been watching to see what Europe um, would do. And, and there's so much of it out there. The 300 billion euro of 500 euro notes, there's a trillion dollars of, there's over a trillion dollars of $100 bills. But, but given that the 500 euro note was the, the obvious starting point, that's where the attention has been focused. But I think it is important in the US to be very thoughtful about what the role is of the $100 bill. Um, do you really need $3,300 bills for um, everybody in uh, America? It, it does, seem, does seem an awful lot. The Swiss particularly have been a little opposed to this idea 
you know, some of the officials there have argued that the right to pay anonymously is a basic liberty and that people are using um, the 1,000 franc notes. They're arguing that they're used not only as a means of payment, but also as a store of value. Can you explain to us exactly what they mean by that and whether or not that's a convincing argument? Frankly, I think we should get rid of the one, the Swiss should get rid of the 1,000 Swiss franc um, note, because I suspect it's largely used um, uh, to store value, but to store value which has been illegally obtained in one way or other, through tax evasion or some form of crime or corruption. And yes, there may be some people who choose to um, hold their um, savings sort of under their bed, but A, you've got to be pretty wealthy to really need to do it in thousand Swiss franc notes, right? That's, for, for it to make a difference between doing it in the hundreds and thousands, you've got to be storing a serious amount. And B, you've got to ask the question of, well, why is it that somebody is so keen for it not to be recorded in the banking system? And I'm wondering, Peter, when this idea came to you in the first place, was it when you were running Standard Chartered or was it a little bit later? Well, it occurred to me when I was still at Standard Chartered, but um, I didn't have the time to do very much um, uh, about it as an idea. Um, And so when I came to Harvard... I thought, well, I should focus on this and see whether it is such a good idea as it sort of seemed to me um, to get rid of these notes. Um, and that's why I worked with um, a bunch of, um, uh, a group of graduate students here to do research into the different high denomination notes in the world and also the role that these different notes played in different forms of illicit activity. Mm-hmm. And after all that research, it turned out to be just as good of an idea as you thought it would be. Well, if anything, it turned out to be a better idea because the more we looked at it, the more we came to the view that really people weren't using these notes very much. They don't play a significant role in normal, everyday economic activity. Um, and therefore, the downside of getting rid of them seems incredibly limited. And yet, on the other hand, almost every seizure of illegal cash, be it for corruption or drugs or whatever, involves these high-denomination notes. So when you've got something which is you know, being used a lot for bad things and not being used a lot for good things, and is something that is produced by the state. It's not a sort of natural thing. It's, a, it's something that the government produces. You've got to ask, well, why are we producing something that makes life easier for criminals? Exactly. Um, and so, and, and it's a very, it is actually a very easy policy to implement. And in the world of fighting crime, most things are quite difficult to do, whereas turning off a printer is a pretty simple policy. Is there a chance that, I mean, this would save us money or cost us money in terms of eliminating these bills? Well, you, you, you lose a bit of money um, if you're the central bank from what's called seniorage, which is the interest that central banks earn on money they've issued. Essentially, when you hold a note in your pocket, it's an interest-free loan to the government. But that's a pretty small amount when interest rates are as low Um, as they are at the moment. And actually, in the many places now that interest rates are becoming negative, it's a a negative loss, so that that really isn't a problem. But I think that is more than offset by the increased tax take. You don't have to assume very much in terms of 
um, greater tax payments from people who've been using cash to avoid paying tax to more than offset any potential loss from um, seigniorage. And then, of course, any reduction um, in the sort of massive flows of money involved in crime has to be a significant um, social benefit. Great. Well, Peter, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much. And if anyone has some 500-euro notes that they would like to <laughs> not have on their hands anymore, just contact us. I'm at 202-654-7352. <laughs> Willing to fly. Send it over in a briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thanks very much. Thank you. So, Tori, I thought that was a really fascinating conversation. And, you know, Peter's paper, over 50 pages, was fascinating, too. What did you learn? Well, I learned that there is a lot to write about on this topic. As you said, his research is extremely (laughs) thorough. Um, But I just think here the most fascinating thing is just the sheer size and and bulkiness that uh, cash has and what sort of a quality that is to it, especially when you think of cutting out those big denomination bills, it suddenly becomes a lot harder to do things that you probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, But I think the the other side of the story here has a really big point, which is how much say do we want the government to have over how we pay for things, how we conduct private business? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't really concern me a whole lot. I would love to live in a cashless society. Really? What if, I mean, they tapped into all your stuff and saw that, like, you Venmoed me for, like, a drunken brunch one day, <laughs> and then that got leaked to Dan, and then Dan was like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think the government cares very much whether I had a drunken brunch or not, but... <laughs> maybe point taken and and you know so when I recently spent three months in Japan Japan's like a super cash heavy society and I was always running to the ATM because so many places don't take credit cards um, and I constantly had to be walking around with like you know 50 60,000 yen in my wallet which you know in Tokyo Tokyo is a pretty safe society so it's fine but it made me feel uncomfortable yeah I can totally understand that Well, lots of Mm -hmm. good arguments on both sides, and it'll be really interesting to see if this gains traction here in the U.S. now that Europe is doing something about it. Yeah, definitely. Well, Benchmark will be back next week, and until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. And while you're there, please take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at AkiIto7 and at Tori Stillwell. You can also email our producer at amccabe with two C's at Bloomberg.net. See you next week. 